We are. We are. We are cultivate. 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 We are cultivate. If a man goes to prison for 10 years and is released, you'd be forgiven for thinking that that would be because he's deemed to be safe in society and is no longer a danger. You may well question that if the crimes he'd been convicted of were rape and assault. But sadly, it would not be until this man's second stint in prison and after his first murder conviction, the extent of his crimes would be uncovered. Join us as we take a look at the case of a man dubbed a true monster by UK tabloids and whose final victim sparked a nationwide inquiry last and go back decade. This is the story of Peter Tobin. Hello, fellow weirdos. This is Amy. And it's Dom. And in case no one has told you today, my God, you're sexy. Um, and you're smart oh, yeah. and capable. And you can do whatever the hell you set your mind to. Anything you like. And if anyone ever tells you otherwise, just tell them that you know two true crime podcast hosts who know how to hide a body. And we'll sort it out for you. <laughs> <laughs> Dom. How well, are you quickly. doing? Jesus. <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. I don't know how you know that I know how to hide a body. Um, I was hoping you oh, would keep yeah. that on the download. But, okay. It's out there now. Um, and there is a reason, people, why we call you the Horror House Hotties. And Amy's exactly right. Because you're Hell looking yeah. sexy. God damn. Um, but no, I'm good. I am running on next to no sleep because... I work night shifts and it's kind of hard to sleep during the day when the sun is blinding you, um, but it's fine. It's fine. I'll bring the energy. It's good. Thank you. But you get to be up all night like a vampire. That's fun. Kind I of. do. I do. Dom, why don't you tell everyone about buy me a coffee because I don't want to. Uh, fair enough. I wasn't expecting that reason. So I don't want to. Re- so weren't you? Just, Are you sure? It. I think that the... the, the bluntness of it <laughs> straight <laughs> i want it uh one of the ways to support the show is buy me a coffee um what is buy me a coffee pretty much it's a link that's in the bio or in the show notes you click it it takes it to a website you buy us a coffee it's not coffee it's money and you donate to the show and it helps us produce the show and i don't think i can put it any more simply than that <laughs> to be honest um it's good. a fun way to give us money essentially yeah <laughs> but you can it. pretend it's coffee and amy loves coffee so fucking love coffee <laughs> great but that is the buy me a coffee we also do have another way to support the show uh which the, the, the lovely amy will will talk about now oh will i don't tell me what to do although completely of my own <laughs> choice because i've decided to do it I will talk about another way that the show can be supported. And the way that you can support us is by buying our merch. Our incredible, stunning, oh my God, look how sexy that person looks in our merch merch. You should buy some. We've got a logo on it. It's got our name on it. 
you will wear it. People will ask, oh my God, what's that? That sounds really cool. You look really cool. And I want your advice on how to be cool too. And that's when you say to them, you listen to the horror Earth podcast because that is the home of cool. That could not be further from the truth. But (laughs) it is a good way to support us. One that you can use. Go visit the website, have a little look at our merch. And if you so desire, please do feel free to support us. Um, Absolutely. It would mean a lot. And yeah, it'd be great. But Dom, I think you've got some, what I find to be incredibly exciting news that you want to tell everyone about. So please do. I promise that I'll be good and not talk over you and not be horrible for the next 30 seconds while you talk about it. (laughs) Go. (laughs) Okay. She's not going to talk over me, guys. Bloody hell. How piss off. What a world we live in. Starting now. (laughs) So are you a true crime advocate or... Do you have a love of the paranormal and spooky tales? Because we sure do. And a lot of other people do. But if you are included in that bunch as well, then you don't want to miss the True Crime and Paranormal Podcast Festival taking place in Austin, Texas from August the 25th to August the 27th, 2023. This festival will feature panel discussions, workshops, um, live podcast recordings, and best of all, your favorite hosts of your favorite British podcast, will be in attendance. We're going to have our own booth. We're going to be proper professional podcasters, which is very, very exciting. So book your tickets today at truecrimepodcastfestival.com. And because we're just very kind and amazing people, we even have a little code that you can use to get 15% off your tickets. And that code is horror, which is very apt, I I would say. Very apt indeed. So... As I said, go to truecrimepodcastfestival.com, use the uh, code HORROR to get 15% off your tickets and come and be part of this amazing event and meet some amazing shows, meet some amazing podcasters and come and say hi to us. We can get some photos, we can shoot the shit, we can, we can eat, we can drink, we can be merry, we can get married, like who knows what the weekend will, will, will bring. You can find out how tall we are in real life. I've always wanted to do that with people. Yes, Don't you always exactly. wonder how tall they are? You can never tell by how they speak. I'm I'm actually only four foot two. I do. <laughs> Amy's actually two foot. Like she she's she's got about yeah. ten yellow pages that she's sitting on at the moment, so she can reach camera level. I'm actually just a head in a jar. But find <laughs> that out for yourself at the <laughs> Grand Podcast Convention. Who knows? You never know. That would be cool if you're I just, was though. That would be very on brand. You're just gonna rock up at the festival. And it just reminds me of like when in Futurama, when Richard Nixon gets his fucking new body and it's just like this cyborg. That's what I'm picturing. You're just going to rock up yeah. with like a cyborg body and a, and a head in a jar. Exactly that. I, I, to be honest, I might just do fancy dress every day and just not acknowledge it. Just be like, yeah. Oh, I love your costume. And I'll just be like, <laughs> no, it's not a costume. It's not a costume. This is just how I am. <laughs> it's a way of life. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say that while dressed as a lobster. That sounds like such a good idea. It's bring a, bringing awareness to um, to lobster people taking over the planet. That's what you're advocating. Yeah, exactly. Against. <laughs> exactly. I think I think it's only fair. But yeah, very yeah. exciting news. I'm very very excited to be over the and promote us and meet people and meet other people that like the same things we like because that's always fun. Yes, and best thing of all, we can have the obscenely big American portions of food, which I highly miss. 
I want my big, I want my donuts the size of my face. I want all of that, all of that American, just ridiculous food sizes and portions. I'm, I'm living for it. I, I mean, I can't it. finish UK portions, but I'll fucking well try. I will give it a go. Oh, mate, you, you wait until you see like a, a large McDonald's. <laughs> oh my God, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. <laughs> okay, we, we need to move on before I get too excited and I start like asking loads of questions because that would just be annoying. <laughs> Peter Tobin, do you know do you know much about Peter Tobin, Dom? I feel like this is a, a bit of a change for me. Unfamiliar. You know, you mentioned it when we when we did the um uh Dennis Nilsson episode. I mm-hmm. my my American serial killer knowledge is is better than my British serial killer knowledge. So I am unfamiliar with this one. Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah, we have said it before, like I I'm a bit more into my my British killers but that's probably why we why we work so well together because we're both yeah, sides of the pond we're absolutely. Absolutely. and plus this one is, is a little bit more modern I, I feel like i tend to lean a bit towards the older ones and this one's in comparison relatively recent so it's, it's very exciting but before we get to chatting too much about peter tobin i do want to say a really quick thank you because this isn't a subject that i would have naturally immediately thought of for an episode um, and it was my friend Stuart, and he is a huge fan of the podcast. So thank you. Thank you so much for listening. We do really, really appreciate it. And thank you for this suggestion, because like I said, I never would have thought about it if you hadn't suggested it. Um, so thank you for the love and the ongoing. Absolutely. Awesome. Should we dive in? Are you ready? I am ready and willing and able. Yes, let's go. Peter Britton Tobin. <laughs> interesting middle name I'm aware was born in Johnston Scotland on the 27th of August 1946 and is with the youngest of eight siblings he had four older sisters and three oh. older brothers yeah it's a lot isn't it it's a lot of siblings <laughs> God damn. and being the youngest as well of eight oh, that's got to suck yeah I mean like the youngest child normally gets uh, I would say that like in a in a you know in a in a family of two or three the the youngest gets a you know the brunt of the love if you're a middle child i mean um that's rough uh, if you're the oldest child it's not too bad <laughs> middle child is the forgotten one if you're if you're the youngest you're the baby so that's not a bad position to be in but the youngest mm. is eight Ooh, i'm just that. thinking about the hand-me-downs you're, you're like if it's a school jumper fine. And that's being handed down between eight kids. And by the time it gets to the eight, that jumper is basically just a bit of wall. Like it's nothing. Yeah. I would just burn it at that point, to be honest. Yeah, just I give just up. <laughs> it's no, I, do I mean, not let's not feel too sorry for him because jumper. without being a spoiler, he was a bit of a dickhead. But, you know, let's, um, he was the youngest, basically. So we've got, he's got really? that we can feel sorry the- about. We're covering someone who's a dickhead. No, we don't ever cover dickheads on this show. Everyone never happens. Show is is amazing human beings. We cover real sort of the UF folk here on Oriel. But yes, he was the youngest <laughs> of eight siblings. Um, he was a difficult child, shockingly enough, because he probably had so many brothers and sisters he never got any attention. Um, and in 1953, age seven, he was sent to a an approved school, so a school that dealt with difficult children, naughty children. Got through school, he went and joined the French Foreign Legion, but he later deserted that. Um, wasn't very good at sticking to anything, to be honest, um, as we're about to find out as we talk about his relationships and married life. Tobin moved to Brighton in England when 
uh, where he married his 17-year-old girlfriend. Her name was Margaret Mortney. I'm going to say Mountney? Mortney. Mountney or Mortney, one of the two, who was a clerk and typist in 1969. 17 does sound young, but he was only 23, so it's not... I mean, it's still pretty young, but it's not terrible. Six years. Yeah. I mean, that's not too bad. I... I did fear the worst when you were like seventeen. I was like, if you if you say that he was in his like thirties, <laughs> no, ah. no, not quite that bad. But I knew that as soon as I said seventeen, you'd be like, oh god, here we go. But actually, he was only twenty three. So, I mean, granted, that's probably okay. still a little it, it bit just... too young, but not that young. I I I'll admit when you said I was about to say thirteen, then God, good damn, that would no, been no, nobody's thirteen, um... no one's thirteen in this story. <laughs> When you said um, when you said seventeen, I just got a flashback of last week when I um, talked about Dolly Osterreich and a seventeen-year-old fucking sex slave when she was thirty-three. Yikes! <laughs> yeah, as someone that's just yeah, a, a month or two off of being thirty-three, it's not something that appeals to me having a seventeen-year-old sex slave. However, if there's any twenty-year-olds no. out there who fancy being a sex slave, then feel free to hit me up. Um, <laughs> 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 anyway, while Dom chokes I want on to his see teeth, your DMs now. It's bad enough as it is. God, yeah. Not that it. <laughs> not that it mattered how old she was anyway, because they got married in August 1969. Um, they separated after just a year together, and they got divorced in 1970. So it wasn't exactly a marriage to end all marriages oh anyway. Um, in 1973, Tobin then married a local nurse, 30 year old Silver Jeffries. He decided that he should maybe go with one a little bit more his own age. The yeah. couple had a son and a daughter, um, but the daughter died shortly after birth, which was obviously quite sad. The second marriage lasted longer, but not much longer, because they separated in 1976. So it only lasted three years. Um, and Sylvia left with their son, their surviving son. Oh, he didn't cool. hang around too long. Um, he did have another relationship um, with a lady called Kathy Wilson. Uh, they got married in 1989 and had a son a year. In 1990, great year, year I was born, um, big up 1990, they moved, I mean, not for this, obviously this was a bad thing that happened in 1990, but a good thing also happened in 1990, and that was me being born. I've gone off on a tangent, let's get back to the story. In 1990, they um, moved I'd, I'd, to... I would say 91 <laughs> better. Fine. Just for now. Yeah, well, you'd be wrong. You'd be wrong. <laughs> anyway... <laughs> In 1990, which is clearly the superior year, they moved to Bathgate in West Lothian, Scotland. Wilson also left Tobin in 1990 and moved back to Portsmouth in England, where she'd grown up. Um, So essentially, three failed marriages. He wasn't particularly lucky in love. I don't know. What do you reckon? (laughs) Three marriages, you're probably not great at things. Uh, Yeah, like, unlucky in love. Like, if it was, I don't know. I was about to say two, but that's only one less. But I think three failed marriages. It's that's not the limit. So much, like, it's not so much unlucky. I think maybe maybe there's an issue and maybe you're that issue, potentially. Yeah. I mean, I must admit, when I was writing the outline for this episode, there was two sides of the coin here for me. One side was, oh my God, he's clearly just an arsehole that's ruining these marriages. And the other side was just thinking back to that episode of Friends where Ross decides to divorce Rachel and he's like, oh, three divorces, three divorces. So maybe Tobin was having that moment. So he just, you know, wasn't having a good time. 
<laughs> maybe he just liked divorce. He, maybe he did. Just like, maybe that was just his thing. Yeah. He just didn't, you know, want his marriages to last. Exactly. In fairness, though, I think it was more likely that the wives were ending things because many years later, when the wives were giving accounts of yeah, you know, being with him and being around him, um, they all described falling for this very charming, very well dressed, very polite gentleman who then, as soon as he sort of got them where he needed them, turned into this psychopath who had, um, who was violent, had violent rages at things that, you know, couldn't be helped and just generally displayed like a sadistic streak, um, you know, behind closed doors. So yeah. I think they probably all ended for very good and very similar reasons. Yeah. But yes, three foul marriages for very, very good reasons. I think it's probably a good sign that he was always going to be a little bit of an arsehole and a little bit of a psycho. And violent, which is, yeah. you know, never good. No. So we come on to his convictions. Why Peter Tobin such a bad guy other than the fact that he can't hold on to a wife? So one of the things that's quite interesting about Peter Tobin that doesn't necessarily come up often when we talk about, you know, some of the people that we talk about, definitely serial killers um, in these episodes, is that he's one of the rare cases where he went to prison, served his time, was released and then came out and obviously went to prison. Spoiler alert, he committed further crimes. The first crime that you he... You saw that one coming. I know, that's, that's so unlikely <laughs> for a violent man. <laughs> can he... That's mental that picture, he'd do it again. I can... Right. I can just picture the, um, the I don't know, warden. It's not an American prison, but I can't remember what we would call it. The warden or... The governor. You know, whoever, just being like the governor... Um, just being like, <laughs> now, 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 Tobin, you, you be good, right? You got to promise you're good. And he, Tobin's like, yeah, 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 I'm, 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 I'm a changed man. Right? <laughs> and then he comes, and then he comes back to prison, and Governor's just like, oh, Tobin, I'm not angry. I'm just disappointed. <laughs> you said you would change. <laughs> Look, I don't think you're particularly reformed, but we need the bed. So off you pop. <laughs> don't do anything I wouldn't do. Yes. <laughs> And then just hope for the best. Got a whole um, coming, and we're low on beds. <laughs> so unless you want to double up, get out there and stay good. <laughs> stay. Oh, dear. So the first crime that Tobin was convicted for. Sorry, just before we go into this, I should mention that there. I mean, we will talk about sexual assault and rape, and yeah, some stuff in the next few few minutes and moments. So uh, if that's something that you're not keen on, then by all means, turn us off. Um, but yeah, just to put that in there. Um, so the first crime that he was convicted for took place in 1993. Um, Tobin attacked two girls outside his flat in Lee Park in Haven after they went to visit a neighbour who wasn't home. They stopped at Tobin's flat and asked if they could wait there for the neighbour to return. Um, so he obviously came in. He held them at knife point and forced them to drink strong cider and vodka before he sexually assaulted and raped both of the girls, stabbing one of them while his youngest son was present in the flat as well. Once he'd kind of done all of that, he turned on the gas without lighting it and basically left them for dead. But they both survived the attack. To avoid arrest, <laughs> Tobin went into hiding and joined the Jesus Fellowship, which was a religious sect in Coventry under a false name. I know, like this, this whole paragraph is all 100% genuine. This is actually what happened. But as I was writing it, I was like, this is a fucking roller coaster, what's going on? But yeah, he joined the Jesus Fellowship. 
gave himself a new name and thought that'll I do. I'll be fine now. I love that. <laughs> he killed, or he tried to kill people, and he was just like, "So how how could I like you know sweep this under the rug? I'm gonna I'm just gonna go and go enjoy the cult as you do naturally." <laughs> no, come on, now, now, now. We didn't I say don't... it was a cult. We said it was a religious sect. What I think the th- thinking was that okay, I've just tried to kill these girls. No one's going to suspect the bloke that is dedicating his life to Jesus in a city that is completely I mean, the other side of the country. I mean, fair. But religion is just a cult. <laughs> We're diving into a hole with that one. Let's just casually skim over it and continue the story. Right. Um, there, there, goes, <laughs> there goes all of our Christian listenership. <laughs> like Christians would definitely listen to this. To be this. fair, I mean, if, if we have got a Christian, you know, following... What are you guys doing here? I mean, that's what, that's what, what are we saying. providing you? Like, not, not that you should leave. Like Please should, stay. Yeah. But just explain because you've made some choices, and I'm confused. If you want to stay, please do. Um, you obviously love our blasphemous ways and Amy's um, talent of innuendos. So I haven't done enough. it yet. I haven't done one yet. So you haven't. I don't know. This could be I'm, the episode I'm sure where there I don't. Is... Wow! Wow! Oh, come off here. You know there's blatantly going to be one. We'll see. But yeah, yeah. I'll do my best. I, I will I'm, do my I'm best not to do it. on this episode. I don't want it to be my thing, you know? <laughs> I don't want us to go to America to the convention and be like, oh, yeah, you're the girl that's always making sex jokes. I don't want to be known for that. <laughs> I'm already known oh, for that in my dear. day-to-day life. I don't need to be known for it in the podcast world as well. I'm here to bring the sex jokes. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I love it. Anyway, <laughs> he, he sodded off to Coventry, joined his little sect, hoping that he would, you know, get away from everyone. But Coventry. he kept the same car, which is just dumb. He fled in the same car and then he kept it. So wow. he was later captured in Brighton um, in his blue Austin Metro um, that was obviously still. So rookie mistake, mate. Although, let's be honest, it was his first. So, but not I didn't. Um, <laughs> on the 18th of May, 1994, still, at Winchester... He... Sorry. It was still learning, massive. It was still learning. You give him a break. You're like, give it was his first. Break. I was like, it was still learning. One passes on the first try. It's all right. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> so on the 18th of May, 1994, Winchester Brown Court, Tobin entered a plea of guilty and received a 14-year prison sentence. Um, in 2004, Tobin, who was then 58 by this point, um, was released from prison and returns to Paisley in So out of his 14-year sentence, he served just 10 years. Okay. Which I think is, I mean, it's still a considerable amount of time. It's quite a long time. I think I'd like to believe that people could be rehabilitated in 10 years. Oh, that would be like a, a person-to-person basis for me, I think. Like, yeah, I think I some people so. could. And I, I think so. there's just some people that, yeah, like they can't. The big guns, you know, the Bundys of the world. You know, those sort of people. Yeah. I mean, bear in mind by this point, and again, no spoilers, he hasn't been convicted of murder. He's only been convicted of, I say only like it's any better, but he's been convicted of rape and sexual assault. So maybe 10 years, I don't know. I don't know how it works. But maybe they're thinking that's long enough for him to not want to do that anymore. Nonetheless, he was released anyway. So... Why Why did he serve 10 and not the full 14? I mean, one would assume for good behaviour, it's, it's relatively easy for yeah. 
in a lot of UK prisons to actually get time off of your sentence for, for good behaviour, for, yeah, it is. you know, for narrowing it down, getting yeah. a good deal from your lawyer. It, it does happen, particularly if you're a non-violent offender, you know, it's, it's easy to get that time knocked off. Generally, people, if they get a, you know, 15 or 20 year sentence, aren't expecting to serve the full sentence because, you know, if you keep your head down, you, unless you're Charles Bronson, you know, you're, you're going to get some time off for being good. <laughs> Don't be a dick if you want to leave prison early. That's the message here. <laughs> Moral of the story. But yeah. I mean, don't be a um, dick in general and go to prison. Yeah, it's, it's always a good idea not to be a dick, just <laughs> generally. Like, you, you can have that one for free, listeners. Don't be a dick. It's probably a good option. <laughs> it's 2004. Tobin comes out of prison after his 10 years. And I think after that, you would assume, you know, he's turned over a new leaf he's, he's living his life and he does for a couple of years for a couple of years he sort of kept his head down and you know worked away by september 2006 he was working as a church handyman at st patrick's church in anderston in glasgow okay. um he'd assumed a different name he'd taken the name pat glossman because he was avoiding detection he was obviously on the violent and sex offenders register so to get a job at church, shockingly mm -hmm. enough, the name Peter Tobin just wasn't going to cut the mustard. So he took on a new name. So he was working under that name and he had an arrest warrant out on his old name because he had moved from Paisley, obviously, down to um, to Glasgow without notifying the police, which obviously you're not allowed to do if you're on the sex offenders register. So he had a warrant out on his old yeah. name working under a new name. I'd, I'd say it's clever, but it's not particularly okay. clever. It's just stupid. Just stay where you are. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how wise. I'm not sure how wise that is. Also, not gonna lie, when you were like, you came out and you turned over a new leaf and it was a change bad. It reminded me of like a, a Netflix uh, true crime documentary when they're like, you know, this was he was a family man. He he caused no trouble. You didn't have to be concerned about him. And then it would do like a hard cut, and it was like until you had to be concerned about him because he killed a family. <laughs> That's what I'm picturing. He he turned over a new leaf, but then he turned it back over. <laughs> and then just like a dramatic like black and white shot or something. And I'm really hard yeah. cut. I know that your game, Netflix. That was what I was Netflix. aiming for. I know your game. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> but yeah, so he'd moved um, against, you know, the law essentially in 2005. But the police didn't actually know about and he wasn't identified um, until he became a, sus a suspect. A suspect. Until he a became a suspect, even a, a suspicious suspect. He was a um in the This is actually like a really serious point. That apparently, suspect. I can't get it out because I can't say suspect. That sus that suspect is kind of sus. He's a mm? he's a sus suspect. That can I mispronunciate? <laughs> mispronunciate? Oh my god, Amy! Oh my god, Amy! <laughs> I'm so sorry. I think everyone. we should just I'm, do I'm... this whole sentence over. <laughs> yeah, let's start it again. I'm so glad it's not me. <laughs> Now you know my Shut pain. Up. <laughs> Tobin wasn't discovered until he became a suspect in the murder of Angelica Cluck um, at the same church that he worked at. He was uh, prosecuted at that point for breaching the terms of the register um, and he got another 30 months on his sentence. But that was nothing, um, obviously, in comparison to what it turned out that he'd done. Um, so Cluck was a 23-year-old student from Poland um, and was staying at the Presbytery of St. Patrick's Church, the church that Tobin worked at. 
Um, she worked there as a cleaner to help finance her studies. She was last seen alive in the company of Tobin on the 24th of September 2006 and is thought to have been attacked by him in the garage that was attached to the presbytery. Cluck was beaten, raped um, and stabbed and her body was found concealed in an underground chamber beneath the floor near the confessional in the church, which is obviously not somewhere that you know murder victims should be stashed in. No, um, no not really. To make matters worse... <laughs> To make matters worse, forensic evidence suggested that she was still alive when she'd been placed under the floorboards, um, which obviously isn't isn't ideal. No. Um, The police found her body on the 29th of September, so five days later, and Tobin was arrested in London shortly afterwards. So much like after his, you know, sort of first crime with the two girls, he did try and flee. He went straight to London and he had been admitted into hospital. Um, under a false name with a, a made-up ailment. Like he just tried to get himself put into hospital, basically, because he thought, if I'm in hospital yeah. and I'm in London, no one's going to think that um, I've murdered a girl in Glasgow, which isn't terrible thinking, yeah. but also isn't that smart either. He doesn't sound like the smartest when it comes to making decisions at the moment. You know, he definitely wasn't. But yeah, nonetheless, he was uh, he was caught. With that murder, so back off to prison he went. And I oh, think Peter. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, for fuck's sake, Amy, that episode was well short. You know the dude's already in prison. I, I know you're thinking that, Dom. I know what you're thinking. But as usual, you're wrong because that was just the start. <laughs> just because he's in prison, don't think that that doesn't mean there weren't other crimes that he had committed that he could be convicted of. But before we get into those. Shall we take a very brief break? Yes, I think so. Good. We'll see you back here in a few. Oh, hello. Let me introduce myself. I am John Dotson, and I host The Secret Sits, a true crime podcast. If you're like me, you undoubtedly have quite a few podcasts you listen to on a regular basis. Now, I, for one, love a great chatty podcast with multiple hosts. It can really make you feel like you're just hanging out with some friends. But sometimes you need to chill out and relax while listening to an extraordinary true crime story with no interruptions and just the facts. The Secret Sits strives to push boundaries and present cases in an immersive storytelling atmosphere. I've spent my life working as a director, writer, and performer, and I've been fortunate enough to travel all over the world, creating art through theater, television, and film. Now I'm fervently bringing my passions for true crime cases and the arts to this podcast. Here on The Secret Sits, we cover all types of true crime, from serial killers like Eileen Warnos and Rodney Alcala, to cults, museum heists, mass shootings, or any other cases we find interesting. Every Thursday, immerse yourself into a new episode. You may find yourself in the Aokigahara Forest in Japan, or recounting the Columbine school shooting minute by minute. The Secret Sits podcast is not responsible for any loss of road rage. Calgon taking you away being more polite in the grocery store 
or suddenly becoming an armchair detective. You can find all episodes of The Secret Sits for free on all podcast platforms, including YouTube. Hey, listeners! My name is Kayla, and I am the creator and host of a new podcast called Dark Tales from the Road. We cover true crime, spooky, creepy, and ghostly stories, and I want to take you state by state and country by country to bring you stories you may not have even heard of before, and also learn some history on the city and the state where it takes place. So join me on the road as we discover dark tales. New episodes are posted every Wednesday. I have an Instagram, Facebook, and a Patreon, all at Dark Tales from the Road. Thank you so much, and I hope everyone has a great day. Welcome back. Dom, how are you feeling? What are we thinking on Tylen? He sounds like a stand-up guy. I, that, I, that doesn't, I don't think there's any reason that I should be concerned about this second part and what's going to happen. You know, I think he's going he's gonna to leave jail again. He's gonna, you know, he's gonna turn over another new leaf. He's gonna go and join another religious sect, and it's all gonna be gravy. Okay, well, <laughs> I know as I'm, usual, I know I'm wrong. To, to prove my point from the first half, as usual, you are wrong. Number one, he's just been convicted of murder. Like that did happen. He did commit a murder in in 2006, and he's now in prison. But his conviction for that murder, it, let's put it this way, it was the first time he'd been convicted of murder. It was not his first murder. Oh, so, okay, okay. A lot more came out once he was in prison. Okay. In June 2007, Tobin's former house in Bathgate was searched in connection with the disappearance of a 15 of 15 year old, sorry, Vicky Hamilton, who was last seen on the 10th of February 1991 as she waited for a bus home. Tobin is believed to have left Bathgate for Margate just a few weeks after her disappearance. So he has a bit of a pattern in the sense that any time he crime, he will flee to the other end of the country or, or up sticks and move to make it look like, you know, well, I was yeah. here, so how can I possibly have done it? Um, yeah. Which was the case with this as well. Um, on the 21st of July 2007, Lothian and Borders Police released a statement that they had arrested someone on suspicion of her murder, um, but they didn't immediately identify them. They'd arrested, obviously, by this point. Tobin was quite a known name, and he'd obviously been convicted of a murder, so they didn't want to say his name in case they couldn't pin it on him, basically. Yeah. <clears throat> the forensic, sorry, the investigation later led to a forensic search of a house in South Sea in early October 2007, where Tobin is believed to have lived shortly after leaving Bathgate. So he's moved down to South Sea. Um, and on the 14th of November 2007, the police confirmed that human remains had been found in the back garden of 50 Irvine Drive, which was a house in Margate occupied by Tobin in 1991. And they also confirmed that those remains were those of the victim. Oh dear. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Oh dear. Yeah. Oh, oh dear is correct. Pizza. That's not good. Yeah. So just to kind of, again, give That's you the timeline, he's been to prison for a crime that he committed in 1993. He's served his time for that crime. He's come out in 2004. In 2006, he has murdered Angelica Cluck and is back in prison. And he's now been connected to the murder of a girl that took place in 1991. So before his, convi his 
before he basically <laughs> raped two 14 year old girls. 91 was still a good year. <laughs> was good it? Year, ah. Yeah, you still, still want to maintain that, do you? Interesting. Fair enough. <laughs> so... In November 2008, Tobin was tried at the High Court in Dundee for Hamilton's murder. Initially, you know, the defence was saying, oh, well, all of the evidence is circumstantial because just because he happened to live in two houses in Bathgate and Margate in 1991 doesn't mean anything. Um, but the prosecution also had eyewitness testimony of suspicious behaviour by Tobin, um, evidence that basically just destroyed his alibi, and DNA and fingerprints yeah. that were left on dagger in his former house on Vicky Hamilton's purse and on the sheets in which her body was wrapped. So they basically had him pegged. Oh, After dear. a month-long trial, um, Tobin was convicted of Hamilton's murder on the 2nd of December 2000. And when sentencing Tobin to life in prison, a judge said this, which I wanted to include because I think it's quite um, quite summative. It's a, it's a good assessment. Okay. So the judge said, okay. you stand convicted of the truly evil abduction and murder of a vulnerable young girl in 1991 and thereafter have attempted to defeat the ends of justice in various ways over an extended period. Yet again, you have shown yourself to be unfit to live in a decent society. It is hard for me to convey the loathing and revulsion that ordinary people will feel for what you've done. I fixed the minimum period which you will spend in custody 30 years. Had it been open to me? I would not Dang. have made that period run consecutive to the 21-year custodial period that you were already serving. So he did have to, I can't remember what the um, the other technical term for it is, but basically he gave him 30 years in parallel to the 21 that he was already serving. So he got 21 years for the murder of Angelica Clark. He also yeah, got yeah. 30 years for the murder of um, E. Hamilton. So he was basically going to be in prison yeah. for 30 years because that's obviously the highest. Okay. So yeah, um, he he was convicted of that murder as well from back in 1991. Now again, Dom, I know what you're going to say. I know what you're going to say. Come on, Amy. Two murders, really? That's not a serial killer. That's <laughs> fucking boring. That's just you know that's, that's not good enough. Well, what if I told you there was also a third? Would you be happy then, Dom? Oh, okay. Yeah. If we hit the double figures, then I might be happy. I'm joking, listeners. I, I'm not advocating for like, has to be 10. No, I'm <laughs> disappointed. <laughs> well, you'll be glad to know um, that the murder of Dina McNichol also happened in 1991. Yet further proof, not a great year. It's still a good year. <laughs> Dina was last seen alive on the 5th of August when she was hitchhiking home with a male friend from a music festival. Um, while oh, they were hitchhiking, so they... Sorry, go on. That's even the month I was born. It's 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 still a good month. <laughs> it's still great. It's still great. You know, some good things happened, some bad things happened. It's fine. We can move past it. <laughs> they accepted a lift from a male subject. Um, her friend got dropped off at Junction Eight on the M25, um, near Rygate, while McNichol stayed in the car to be dropped off at a later point. But unfortunately, she was never seen again after that night. Mm. After her disappearance, regular withdrawals were made from her building society account at Cash Machines, um, which was really out of character for her because she was saving money for either to travel or to further her education. But she was putting that money aside for her future, essentially. So it was very strange that she was making those withdrawals. Yeah. In late 2007, um, Essex Police reopened the investigation into McNichols' disappearance um, following new leads. Um, and on the 16th of November, 
a second body um, was found at 50 Irvin Drive in Margate, which was where um, Vicky Hamilton was found and Tobin's former resident. And police later confirmed that that was the body of um, Dean. There are two bodies in the same garden, which is never fun. Oh, dear. No. On the 3rd of September 2008, the Crown Prosecution Service served a summons on Tobin's solicitors, accusing him of her murder. Um, the new trial began in June 2009, mm-hmm. but it did get delayed for a little while, basically, because Tobin was in really bad health and um, he was due to have surgery, so they delayed his trial for a little But nonetheless, it carried on, um, and at the end of 2009, he was convicted of McNichols' murder, um, and the jury... Yeah that sat on the case at Chelmsford Crown Court, which, bit of trivia for you, is where I did my jury service, just not on this case, only deliberated for 15 minutes before they decided that um, Ian Tobin did as Peter Tobin. 15 minutes, I know. Oh, damn. Um, subsequently received his third life sentence. So he's on life sentence number three. Um, yes, I don't think he's getting out then. Just, just, just a no. Going on a lot, going on a, going out on a limb. I, I don't think he's going to be getting up. Probably not. No spoilers, but probably not. So those were the two that um, Peter Tobin was convicted of. They had solid evidence. They had the metaphorical smoking gun of the bodies in his garden at his residence with DNA evidence to prove he was the killer. But police suspected, <laughs> police across the country, in fact, suspected that. Peter Tobin had been involved in many, many more murders and thus began Operation Anagram. In fact, the bodies of Hamilton and McNichol were found as part of that operation because police suspected that Peter Tobin and his methods of killing, particularly um, Angelica Cluck, you know, the way that he had killed her, they did suspect that he had a pattern and, and was a serial killer. So... The bodies of Hamilton and McNichol had been found as part of that operation. But the idea of the operation was that police forces across the country could look at the evidence from Tobin's case and decide whether or not their lines of inquiries married up to what his pattern was um, and their sort of unsolved cases could okay. be into. When the operation was initially launched, um, it believed that by December 2009, um, detectives across the UK were following up on over 1,400 lines of inquiry that could have potentially led back no. to Peter Tobin, which is, yeah, a lot. <laughs> a lot of lines. Um, now, obviously, that's <laughs> obviously that's very loose. You know, it, that could be like, oh, okay, well, it's someone mentioned his description. That could be, oh, okay, well, this person, I don't know, has... No marks on her. His victim did have similar marks, anything like that. So you, it was narrowed down, but in yeah. terms of things that had the potential yeah. to match, it was around the 1400 mark, which is just insane. It's just, yeah, it's just so mad. many. That's mad. Yeah, exactly. Um, as part of their renewed inquiries, the police were especially interested in tracing the owners of jewelry items that had been found at Tobin's residences. Mm-hmm. The police released photographs of this jewellery um, to the press. There were 32 pieces of jewellery um, and they were looking to match those pieces of jewellery to potential victims, to family members that maybe recognised them and, you know, thought of them as being on the, these girls that have gone missing. Um, which, when you think about yeah. it, really isn't a terrible idea. Not at all. That's, uh, that's, pretty, that's pretty smart. Yeah. I mean, police obviously believe that 
the reason Tobin had kept them was because they were mementos from people that he killed. So if they could get an idea on who the jewellery had come from, then they could look back into that person's past and maybe connect the dots as to where they, they might have met Tobin. So really yeah. smart way of looking into yeah. it, uh, you know, releasing that info oh, to yeah, the absolutely. public was definitely a really good way of trying to narrow those. So that yeah. was in 2009. And by July 2010, um, it reported officers working on Operation Anagram had narrowed down their review from that initial 1,400 to nine unsolved murders and disappearances that they really okay. thought were worth investigating because there was a lot of potential could have been to Pete Tobin. Yeah. The first one of those was a young lady called Louise Kay. Louise Kay disappeared from Beachy Head in Eastbourne in 1988. So we're now talking three years before his first convicted murder. So going back, you know, a fair way. Mm-hmm. Kay was not seen again after she was, she basically decided that she was having a night out on the beach with her friends and she was going to sleep in her car, um, which was something that she did quite regularly. You know, it was, it was a normal thing that you had a little kid in your car after you had a party on the beach. Yeah. But after that night, she basically was never seen again. Um, her gold Ford Fiesta with one white door um, also hadn't been seen um, since that night. Um, Operation Anagram okay. established that Tobin was working in a hotel in Eastbourne at the time of her disappearance. And they also learned that he was selling a small hand-painted car after she had vanished. Um, so it was essentially a Ford Fiesta that had been hand-painted for some reason. Very strange. Uh I couldn't, I could never, I could never, can't think of why it would. Yeah, I know. How strange. Why would they think that? Right. Not ideal. So, yeah, generally it's thought that Tobin repainted Kay's car and then tried to sell it on to hide the crime. It's reported that Kay had met a mysterious Scottish man, um, which obviously he was Scottish, shortly before she disappeared. And it's known that he had given her money for petrol for the car. So they had some sort of you know, relationship, even if it was just brief. Detectives investigated whether Tobin was responsible, but they could just never improve, never improve, sorry. They could just never prove his involvement. At the time of the disappearance, though, um, Tobin owned a property on 22 Windlesham Road in Brighton, and that house and garden have never been searched because they didn't have enough evidence to warrant a search. Um, Okay. So potentially, if he was connected, there are multiple detectives who've written you know papers and books and and been interviewed that maintain that that's where you know people are going to find louise k if they look because he killed her yeah he buried her in that garden but obviously without evidence you can't just go you know doing this sort of thing so who knows that's a bit of a yeah which is outrageous oh absolutely outrageous yeah absolutely should just be able to go go in there (laughs) willy-nilly But it's too much speculation, you know, it's too much speculation to say, okay, well, this guy happened to have this car and, you know, it's just not enough. So they weren't able to ever connect him fully to that one and convict him of it. Yeah. Um, Which was much a similar case in the investigation of Jesse Earl as well. The murder of 22-year-old Jesse Earl in 1980. So again, we're going back over a full decade before the first murder he was convicted of took place was another one that was investigated by Operation Anagram. Um, She'd also disappeared in Eastbourne and her skeletonized body was found in 1989, so nine years later, concealed in Strubland, uh, 
shrubland, sorry, on Beachy Head, which is where um, Louise Kay disappeared from. So, you know, quite a massive coincidence. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Big old, big old coincidence, that. Um, Again, you know, as with Louise Kay, Tobin had been living in the area at the time of her murder. And it's believed that he was working at a handyman, um, Holy Trinity Church in Eastbourne at the time she disappeared, which is also the place that she was last seen. So a lot of coincidence there. Absolutely. Jessie Earl was known um, to have been very nervous about a man she'd met while she had been out walking previously on the beach um, and had reported meeting a middle-aged Scottish man near the same spot that her body was found. Shortly after, this, this is interesting actually, so shortly after the discovery of Earl's body became public knowledge in 1989, Tobin really very quickly mm-hmm. um, moved his wife and young child from Eastbourne to back to Bathgate in Scotland um, without informing his wife of these plans, which he, well, it obviously suggests that he had some sort of reason for leaving the area in a hurry. But yeah, he he moved his wife and young family very quickly after that news broke. That's uh, definitely the side of uh, someone who's got absolutely nothing to worry about. (laughs) Yeah, sure. (laughs) As they say, um, guilty people don't run. No, innocent people don't run. Which one doesn't run? Is... One of them doesn't run. Well, but I, then, you know... I would say that guilty people probably do run. <laughs> guilty people run, innocent, innocent people, people are the ones don't. that don't. Um, yeah, yeah. But maybe he just liked moving up and down the country. Who knows? Maybe. Now, I'm not going to go into maybe. every single potential investigation that might have been linked to Tobin because, to tell you the truth, when you search them, they're loads um, because they follow yeah. similar you know, modus operandi. They have connections he was in the area all of those sorts of things but i will just mention one more because it's one that there's been a lot of speculation around and that is that peter tobin was in fact the bible john killer the bible john killer um was a serial killer who murdered three young women in glasgow in the 1960s so again 30 years before the first convicted murder he killed Patricia Docker, who was 25, um, Jemima McDonald, who was 32, and Helen Puttock, who was 29. And the reason that they thought that he might be the killer was because one of the things that his three wives had reported was that when they were menstruating, he would get very violent towards them. He would become very annoyed and, and hit them. Yeah. It was believed that that had also been the motive for the Bible John murders as well. Um, so the hence where the connection came up. Okay. Obviously not an ideal thing to get annoyed about considering it happens every four weeks, but... No. Learn how biology works. Jesus. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Maybe they should... I mean, obviously they can't now, how but maybe they should have asked bleed. Peter Tobin to uh, advertise tampons dare. or something. <laughs> maybe. Peter's like, you're bleeding again? Well, yes. <laughs> Believe it or not, Peter, this happens... This happens a lot. But yeah, there was a lot of speculation that he, he was the Bible John murderer. Um, and there still is, to be honest. You know, people do still think that. They, they still kind of connect it. But in terms of the police, they eliminated him as a suspect in those murders. Um, Tobin moved from Glasgow to Brighton with his first fiancée, um, Margaret Matney, before the second murder that was attributed to Bible John. So in theory, he only would have been around okay. in the area for the first one. Operation Anagram found that yeah. Tobin was in Brighton at the time of the final two Bible John murders. 
He'd married his first wife in 1969, 10 days before the, first, um, sorry, before the second Bible John murder. And that's recorded on their marriage certificate. And then he was still living in Brighton at the time of the third murder, meaning in order for him to have committed it, he would have had to travel to Glasgow and back from Brighton, which is trek without yeah. his wife's knowledge. Yeah. Um, which I just, yeah, I can't personally see happening. No, no, not at all. I mean, it's not impossible. It's definitely not impossible. I think unlikely. I just, yeah, I, it's, what's the saying? It's not impossible, but I find it quite improbable. Yeah, but now we get to the point where right at the start, we said, Amy, no sex jokes, no innuendos. Now we <laughs> yeah. get to the point where I might might potentially struggle a little bit because... Okay. We already think it's very unlikely I mean, it, it has, that it has only taken an hour and eight, an hour and eight minutes for you, right? To, to come up. Yeah, <laughs> that's really good for you. I'm impressed. Thank you. Oh, thank you. So <laughs> um. So yeah, we're pretty convinced that he's not the Bible John murderer at this point because he couldn't get to Glasgow from Brighton and back without his wife knowing about it. But yeah, Tobin's DNA was ultimately checked against a semen stain on Puttock's tights as part of Operation Anagram, um, which was the only remaining forensic evidence in Bible John case at the time. And the test results of that analysis proved the semen was not from Tobin. Or, if you like, it had not come okay. from Tobin. Yes, I was waiting for you. I was waiting for a come. Back in the game! For... <laughs> uh, all is right with the world. <laughs> Sex joke has been said. I, th- I feel so much better like the entire episode i feel like i've been holding in a sneeze um yeah great. yeah i feel good a, a weight um, has been lifted lifted from your shoulders absolutely <laughs> so yeah peter thoman essentially convicted of three murders and obviously the rape and assault of two 14 year old girls not a nice guy you'll be very very pleased to know in that case that um in august 2012 he was taken to the Edinburgh Royal Infirmary after suffering chest pains, um, which turned out that he'd had a heart attack. And at the same prison three years later, he was slashed with a razor blade in his sleep by another inmate, um, leaving a 20 centimetre scar running down his face. And Jeez. his cellmate was a double rapist um, who basically just took offence to him being there and did plead guilty to the attack and got 32 more months in prison. In February uh, twenty sixteen. Uh, what? Just the 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 whole double racist, a uh, double racist, um, double rapist. Oh god. Um, I mean, they're not. Neither neither of those are great. I'm not going to lie. Um, but the the double rapist was just the way you're like he took displeasure in him being there. The double rapist is just like you know what? There's only one rapist in this cell, mate, and it's gonna be me. <laughs> and it's me. He just went <laughs> about it. Bear in mind, by this point, Tobin was no. pretty famous. Like he, you know, he was in the papers a lot. He was being vilified by the tabloids. So, you know, another guy in a cell is going to know who he is. So he, it's not surprising that he got slashed. But he also suffered a stroke. Um, and by 2019, he was reported to be very frail and suffering with cancer. Um, he was taken to hospital again oh, on the 30th of March 2022, and Oh, in, wow, okay. sorry, on the 8th of October 2022, he died at Edinburgh Royal Infirmary at the age of 76. 
which is probably for the best. Although Man, very recent, that's, uh, that's only last yeah, year. Very recent. Well, it's like very recent. when you were, when you you know when we did the Dennis Nilsson episode, and you were like he died in what 2018. Yeah, I actually remember I, I, um, I w- I Peter Tobin's death being in the news. Ah, I mean, I, I probably did see it, but obviously, like, I I wouldn't have had any sort of knowledge about him, so I probably sort of just skirted past it. But it yeah. sounds like um, it sounds like he had a a bit of a a bit of a shit time at the end. Um, my heart bleeds for him, poor man. Just oh poor, yeah, such a shame. Poor man. Such know, a shame. Such such a shame. Um, Gab is a bitch, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, considering what an arsehole he was as well, you'll also be pleased to know that his ashes were scattered at sea because he didn't have any relatives or next of kin to claim his body. Uh, uh, so. I love it. I love it. See you later. I love stuff like that. You know, or like when uh, serial killers or whatever get cremated and they like go to the family. Like, do you want the ashes? And even the family are just like, fuck off. No. No, thanks. <laughs> that, that's I, fine. I, I can it. live without them. <laughs> yeah, exactly that. But yes, that is the story of uh, Peter Tobin. Not one that I was fa- not familiar with, that I'd heard of, but wasn't too familiar with. Um, but then, yeah, obviously did my little bit of research into it at Stuart's suggestion. So thank you again, yeah. Stuart, for the suggestion. It's a good case. Oh, absolutely. Um, thank you, Stuart. Um, that was a very good suggestion. You know, and as, as you know, as we said, I my I'm not massively familiar with with British serial killers, so I like. You know, when when you do a, a British a British case, it's a learning experience for me because I, you know, more than likely I would know very little about it. So, as well as as well as being horrified, I'm also being educated. <laughs> I'm learning as well as that is a good way to be cry. Yeah, be traumatized, <laughs> but be clever about it. <laughs> Absolutely. I was going to say it was nice to to learn about about him. I'm not sure if that's the right word, um, but. You know, it's. I find all the cases interesting. Good. And please, I I liked learning about him. He's um, yeah, it's very close to home. And again, very recently, up until very recently, was still alive. So mm. very recent. And uh, even though his crimes weren't particularly. On that note, um, Don, would you have to see us out for the episode? Yes, yes, I can. I can indeed. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. If you like what we do here at Horror House, as always, uh, don't forget to give us a rating and a review. Um, And that can be done on Apple Podcasts. You can rate on Spotify. You can rate and review on the website. Also, don't forget to follow us on social media as well at horrorhouse underscore pod and on your podcast app of choice. If you want to support us financially, don't forget to buy us a coffee. There is no option to buy us a tea, unfortunately. It has to be coffee. Um, but buy us a coffee if you want to and also have a look at the merch store um, and cop yourself some some horror house merch Um, because even though you look sexy already you do i see you i see you you you're sexy sexy bastards all of you if you're wearing a horror house hoodie i think you're gonna look even sexier um but yes thank you for listening um we hope you enjoyed and until next time as always stay Speaking. Yeah.